The following is a special presentation from Pastor Joanne Ramsey and Speak the Word Ministries. We trust God's Word will bless you as you listen to this message. Here's Pastor Joe. The title of my message today is Brain Heart Connection, the Brain Heart Connection. According to Proverbs 23, 20 in the Amplified Bible, it says, and as for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So this shows that we do think in our hearts. And there are many more verses that will confirm this. But you probably haven't given much thought to this fact. I know I have not given a lot of thought to it. However, we do think in two places. We think in our minds and we think in our hearts. And here's just a, a few scriptures referring to our hearts. Hebrews 4, 12 in the New King James says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And in Luke 6, 45, it says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil, for it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. And I will be uh, saying that quite often throughout the message, <laughs> for we have to understand that it's out of the abundance that the heart speaks about everything. It's what truly is in your heart that's going to be coming out of your mouth. Jesus tells us how we can judge a person, how we can judge a person's character, and we do it in much the same way that we look at a tree or plant to tell if it's a good plant or if it's a bad plant. For the word says that no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. He says each tree is recognized by its own fruit, according to Matthew 7, 17. Now, of course, it is possible that someone might put up a facade to deceive others regarding his character. This happens a lot. It happens actually probably a lot, a lot more than you realize. As a matter of fact, how many times have you met someone and thought that they were a good and honorable person to find out later that they were not, that maybe they were just the opposite from what you thought when you first met them? But saints, no matter how hard a person tries to cover up their real self, eventually, what is inside of that person's heart will come out. Right. You, 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 can, you can put on a facade for a, a, a small amount of time, but eventually, and usually it doesn't take long, for what's in that heart is going to come out. Because the mouth speaks out of the abundance, the overflow of the heart. The tree is the heart. Fruit is the mouth. When Jesus was talking about trees, he was talking about people. In Psalms 52, 8, David referred to himself as a green olive tree in the house of God. And in Psalms 1, verses 1 through 3, he talks about the, how we are like uh, trees planted by the rivers of water. And in Psalms 92, 12, he says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar, he says, in Lebanon. He also says in verse 14, which I really like this verse, <laughs> is that they shall bear fruit in old age. <laughs> They shall be fresh and flourishing. Hallelujah, Pastor Larry. We all like, we, we, we love that one. Yeah. You know, the Bible is always, the Bible always connects the mouth and the heart together. Saints, my point is, our hearts can think. 
You know, as a matter of fact, as I was thinking about that, I was going over my message this morning when I was talking about the heart and the mouth and how the heart, you know, uh, how the heart can think. I was thinking that really we are spirits. We are primarily a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. And I would like to, in the near future, to uh, teach on the, the heart, the spirit, soul and body. I've done it before in the past, and uh, I think I'd like to do it again because I think this is this will fit very well into there because he's talking about our heart and we're talking about our minds. We're talking about the soulish part of us. And we're talking about the heart. We're talking about the heart that God has given us. And that's who we really are. And that heart, even when we go home with, to be with the Lord, is not going to change. It's a new heart. Right. It, it, it became a new heart. And so it's the, still going to be the same one that we have when we go to be with the Lord. And so this is where it's important to renew your mind so be, so that whatever's in your heart, that's what's going to come out. Amen. Hallelujah. Monocle science is just now beginning to understand this. However, the Lord revealed this to us long before medical science ever discovered it. <laughs> you know, it amazes me that, you know, the Bible gives us everything we ever needed to know. And it's so deep. There's so much in here that it, you cannot exhaust the word of God. And the more you read and the more you meditate on the Word, the more you see so many things that you didn't see before. I, I've this, just this past week, I've been studying a lot about on the symbols uh, of the Bible and, and what's symbolic. And, and I ain't got time to preach on that. But it's so interesting. I never thought about the beast in the fields and the birds of the air. But they're demonic spirits. You know, they're, they're symbolic of demonic spirits, just like when the Bible says that, you know, that as soon as the seed is sown, the enemy comes to steal it away and the birds of the air. They're demonic spirits. You know, as you go back and it goes into the Old Testament and the New Testament, you know, to verify this. And like I said, I'm not preaching on that today. However, I think it would be very interesting to, to speak about the symbols and, and the, where the trees are symbolic to men and the birds and the beast is symbolic to demonic Spears, because even in the book of Genesis, you know, when the Bible says that Satan was the, uh, he was the most um, evil of all of the beasts, you know, when he was uh, talking about the snake and he was the most evil. So he was saying he was, the, he was more evil than all the other spirits. And so he was calling him a beast. It stated that when some transplant patients received their new hearts, they discovered that the previous owner has donated a few eerie thoughts as well. After recovering from their operation, several patients started recounting incidents that occurred in their donors' lives. He says, because, for instance, a 52-year-old man who liked classical music, but after being given the heart of a teenage boy, he suddenly discovered that he liked rock music. <laughs> now, boy, that's a switch. And he said, a man who had received a heart from a woman that was hit by a train had recurring dreams about train wrecks. And it says, after a young boy received his heart transplant, he awoke and told his mother, he says, everything is copacetic. <laughs> in other words, and everything, you know, in excellent order. And his parents said that he had never used that word or that phrase before. He said, but however, he learned later that the donor and his wife used it to reassure each other after they'd had an argument that everything was okay. And then there is one about an eight-year-old girl that had received the heart of a murdered child, and she started having recurring nightmares. She, she was able to describe the circumstances of her donor's death in such a way, in such details, that the police were able to capture the person who was later convicted of it. Now think about that. That is powerful. 
how powerful our heart is. What a wonderful heart we have. And let me tell you why I really want to be telling, uh, talking about some of this. It's because I want you to know that our hearts can think. And as I said before, we don't only think with our minds, but also with our hearts. In other words, when, when you are faced with choices or decisions in your life, if you would just pause and think about it, you could actually think about it in your hearts and really and not just in your minds. For instance, have you ever said to someone, this is what was on the top of my mind. This is what comes to the top of my mind. <laughs> to, <laughs> it, it just comes off the top of my head. Some people say off the top of my head. And think about it now. Wouldn't it be better to give someone an answer from the bottom of your heart <laughs> instead of the top of your head yeah. or your mind? Yeah. How many times have you said something that you regretted and then later had to go back and apologize and say, that's not what was in my heart? And saints, it wasn't in your heart. It was, on, it was in your mind, on your mind, the top of your head. You spoke from your mind, you know. Remember what Jesus says. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Remember, a tree is known by its fruit. And Jesus is not talking about actual trees here. Trees, are, as I said, are symbolic of people. And the fruit is the mouth. So many times we say things from our minds and not from our hearts. You know, when we accepted Jesus as our Lord, He gave us a new heart. According to Ezekiel eleven nineteen in the Amplified Bible, He says, I will give them one heart, a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within them, and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and will give them a heart of flesh more sensitive to God. So we need to let our converted heart tell our renewed minds what to say. Yeah. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans 2, not to be conformed to this world, but to be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you'll know what the perfect will of God is. So we need to let our converted heart tell our renewed minds what to say. If we would just pause and think before you speak, a lot of people don't. My youngest daughter was really bad about this, you know. She would never, she'd never think before she spoke. She's just, it just came out. And if we would ponder and think about what we were going to say before we answer, you know, we may not have given it a lot of thought, but words cost. And words hurt. And words last. Good words last. And so do bad words. And bad words can cut like a surgeon's scalpel. While on the other hand, you can speak blessings into the life of someone else. And the most important, words create. And I'd like to touch a little bit this morning on how you create with your words. The Lord tells us that He has made us all overcomers and causes us to triumph. In Revelations 12, verses 10 and 11, the New Living Bible says, Then I heard a loud shout across the heavens. It has come at last salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. Praise God. And verse 11 says, And they have defeated Him by the blood of the Lamb and by, the, and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Hallelujah. In 2 Corinthians 2, 14, it says, Now thanks be to God who always, always leads us in triumph in Christ. You know, I don't think that we have to be afraid to die. You know, from the moment that we're born, we're headed that way. That's our home. 
it, it's going back home. It's just, all you're doing is just, you've been gone. You, you were released into this world with a purpose and an assignment. And we're supposed to complete that purpose and that assignment and then come back home. And some people come back home earlier, but also a lot of people are taken out early. And, and the reason why they're taken out early is because they lose focus of what they're here for. They lose purpose of the goal and, and the purpose that God put them on this earth for. People says, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, everybody has a purpose. And, and if you seek the Lord, he will tell you what your purpose is. It might be late in life. Mine came late in life, but it wasn't his fault. It was my fault because he was probably trying to get my attention for all those years prior to me actually understanding what he wanted me to do. But first I had to accept him as my Lord and Savior. I had to become part of the kingdom of God before I could actually have an assignment from the Lord. And so it took a long time for the Lord to convince me because I had been so against everything because of the way I was brought up. Uh, I just didn't want any of that religion. I didn't want to get involved in any of that religion, that religious stuff. And so a lot of people are, you know, for various reasons, uh, delay accepting Christ. And because I, I, I believed all the lies that the enemy told me, that, that's, that's really where it all comes from. Because the enemy, he's constantly telling you lies and we're buying into it. And so finally, I, didn't, I got to the point where I didn't believe the lies anymore. And so God kept sending people after me. He kept sending laborers my way, laborers my way. And actually, that was one labor that just kept coming. And she said she wasn't going to come anymore unless the Lord told her. And I'm so thankful that he never gave up on me. And a year later, he told her again. And I accepted Jesus. And my life has changed forever. But he gave me uh, almost immediately my purpose. You know, because, you know, you can have an experience with God. When you have an experience with God, your whole life changes. It just flips it upside down, you know. And, and you can come up, if you don't really are convinced in your heart, if you don't really, you can come up and say you accept Jesus, but you have to have an experience with God. You, you know, you know that you're born again. You know that you know that you know that you know. Hey, I don't know what it is. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know enough about the Bible. God knew what it was, but I knew I was different. And why wouldn't I? I had a new heart. I'd had surgery. I had supernatural surgery there in that church service. And that's what happens. We all have supernatural surgery and we all get a new heart. And I'm so thankful this morning that I have a new heart. I always, I can't stand up here and say that. I know that all things come out of the, you speak from the abundance of your heart, but I'm not totally renewed yet. And nobody I don't think is. But we're, we're working on it. We're a project. And, you know, um, the Lord says that uh, he's doing a good work in me and in you every day. And his Bible says in Philippians, I think it is in 1 7, that he that began the good work in you will continue to do so until the day of Christ Jesus. So I can stand up here and say confidently that he's doing a good work in me today. And he did one yesterday. And he's going to continue. Praise God forevermore. And saints, how do we do this? How do... How do we become the overcomers according to Revelations 12, 11, by our testimonies and through Jesus who always causes us to triumph in our battles. So many people are under the false impression that once you accept Jesus as your Lord that the fight is over. Hallelujah. You know, however, from my experiences, I found that the fight just begun. 
when I became a Christian because the minute that I accepted Jesus as my Lord, the enemy came after me immediately. He came after me big time. It seemed like he came after me with a vengeance, as most of you can probably testify to. And he hasn't ceased. I might add, that I was going to say, I might add he has never ceased in his attempts to take me out. And neither has he stopped trying to take you out either, brothers and sisters. That's his goal. We have an assignment. And we have goals that God's given. They're God-given assignments and goals. But Satan has a goals too. And his goal is to stop the, God's goals for our lives. And, and he don't care how he does it. And that's why a lot of times people don't recognize that the thing, you know, the sin has been forgiven. Sin is not an issue with God. A lot of churches preach that it is, but it's not. Jesus died for our sins over 2,000 years ago. Sin is not a problem. But he don't, you know, he has forgiven all, given us of all of our sins. He was wounded and crucified, bore those sins, bore those sicknesses for us. So sin is not a problem with God. What's the problem is that he don't want you to do those things because he knows it opens up the door for the enemy. And when you open, when you, when you go and do something that goes against the word of God, when you're disobedient and you go and you do something that you know that you shouldn't do, you know it's not right then you open up the door for the enemy and, and it gives him an opportunity to come in to destroy you and he will stop your purpose. He will stop your goal. And he will take you out early. But it's not God's will that you go early. It's God's will that you stay here and finish what he sent you here to do. He knows what your days are. The Bible says all our days are numbered. He knows the day that we're going home. You know, So there's really nothing to be fearful of. Praise the Lord. I realize there have, many, there have been many things going on around us for the past few months that have really affected the way that we think and feel about so many things. Things that have been and still are devastating to all of us. It's like there's a web of fear over the whole country right now, which in my opinion, it really is worse than the COVID virus because the results of the fear is doing so much more damage the percentage of everything is skyrocketing out of control. The, the higher percentage of sickness, financial hardships, depression, suicides, and I could go on and on and on. I mean, they have skyrocketed. People are unable to function. Many are fearful to go outside of their homes. In Job 3, 25 and 26, the Brian Bible says, For the things I feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has befallen me. He said, I'm not at ease or quiet. He says, I have no rest for trouble has come. Yeah. And so he's saying that people don't realize it, but what you fear the most is, is still true. The, the Bible is good, the Old, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Yes, there are some things in the Old Testament we don't have to practice anymore because we're living under grace. But God, the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's written, it has one author, and that's Jesus Christ. It's God Almighty. We have 39 people that penned it, but we have one author. That's right. And so it doesn't change, you know. So you can go, you know, the, when he, the, it's a spiritual book. It was a, a spiritual God that wrote the spiritual book for spiritual beings. Yeah. And, it, and that's from cover to cover. That's right. it, it applies to us. And yes, there are things, like I said, that don't, we don't apply to us anymore. But there's so much in there that does. He's talked so much in there that does. 
Many have been wavering in their faith because of what's been going on. I recently received this comment under a prayer that I had prayed on my website, and the lady stated, would just like to know what God's role is in all of this. It is killing the human spirit as well as bodies. Hard to keep the faith going. And one thing is for sure, Satan is responsible for all of this. According to 2 Corinthians 4, 4, he is the God of this world. At least, that's little g. He's little in everything. At least until his lease runs out. And who do you think stands back of the crime waves? And, and who do you think stands back of all this modernism that denies the word of God and denies the power of God and the, and the truth of God's word and the power of God and, and, and the churches that don't, that don't believe in the supernatural? Satan, of course. Who stands back of the sickness and diseases that sweeps this world? Satan. You know, before you can find the cure for one, another one arises. Satan and his demonic forces are responsible. Since these things, have, these things that have been are still going on, the things that have been are still going on are demonic. And Satan has been working overtime getting people to speak words of death and doubt and unbelief. And I'm really... I'm not sure people realize the damage that they're creating with their negative words that they're actually giving life to the fear and they don't really recognize that they are. God's word tells us that we have the power of life and death in our tongues according to Proverbs 18:21. So we do have power and authority. We can speak life or we can speak death. And when you're speaking negative, you're speaking death and you're speaking fear. The human heart, the heart that God has given us, react strongly to negative emotions. All of this upheaval and, and this pandemic has put people under more stress and I capitalize stress and caused them to operate out of a spirit of fear. They're not really using what the, you know, what the Lord has given us to think with because we're not operating out of that. We're operating out of fear. And you can see it and you can sense it everywhere you go. It's just like, a, like I said, it's like a spider web. It's like a web. And the news media is also playing a major role in this too. I would say the biggest role. Yeah. You know, Satan knows the effect the media has on the human spirit. So he's using them to keep everyone in fear. He is. Studies have shown that people who have suffered prolonged stressful situations all have higher rates of heart problems than the rest of the population. The number so large, I don't even want to tell you. I mean, up in the thousands, I'm, I'm talking about six and hundred and eight hundred thousands, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. For instance, on ECG readout, if we're under stress, our heartbeat shows up in a series of jagged and erratic lines. And this is called an incoherent heart rhythm pattern. This means that our autonomic uh, nervous system, ANS, is out of sync with each other. Now, scientists liken this to driving a car and having one foot on the gas, that's the sympathetic nervous system, and the other on the brake, the parasympathetic nervous system, simultaneously, in other words, at the same time. But brothers and sisters, our hearts also react strongly to positive emotions. 
studies have shown that in cases of people who had an increased risk of early onset coronary artery disease, when they, when, when they showed a happy outlook, a positive outlook and cheerful persona, they had their risk of a heart attack reduced by one third. That's a lot, that's awesome. And you might be wondering why I'm talking about all of these things. <laughs> I am because in the natural, things are really, really bad right now. And, and, and some people are losing hope. A lot of people are losing hope and their faith is being tested and they're scared. I mean, they're frantic. I, I received a call I, I wish you could have heard her. I, I received a call while I was working on this message from an older lady, and she was terrified. Uh, I, she, 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 I won't go into all the conversation, but she went on and on and on and on. And I prayed for her and, and then told her not to watch TV. And she says she doesn't watch TV anymore. She says she gave it away, but she says she keeps hearing this voice that something bad is going to happen to her. So she's been, she says, I, she said, Pastor Joe, I keep hearing these voices. And, and, and she says, I don't know what to do, you know. And so I prayed with her and rebuked that spirit of fear. And she sounded a lot calmer, you know, when we got through. But it was Satan. Satan is the voice that she was hearing. Because that's what fear is. It's a spirit. First Peter 5, 7, uh, 1, 7 says that God did not give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And saints, this is going to backfire. I want you to, you know, hear me. This is going to backfire on the ones causing all this pain to God's elect. God is going to anoint an army to move against them in all places. Hear me. Prophetically speaking, God is going to anoint an army to move against them in all places. The media that is persecuting the church are going to fall down. And they're going to fall so hard, they aren't even going to know what hit them. God is going to expose the corruption and those behind it. In Psalms 5 verse 11 says, Let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. And Job 5.12 in the New Living Bible says, He frustrates the plans of schemers. So the work of their hands will not succeed. Praise the Lord. In verse 14, he says, He traps the wise in their own cleverness, so their cunning schemes are thwarted, stopped. Yeah. Verse 15, he says, He rescues the poor from the cutting words of the strong and rescues them from the clutches of the powerful. Praise God. My favorite verse, verse 16, And so at last the poor have hope. And the snapping jaws of the wicked are shut. That's my prayer, is just shut those snapping jaws that's bringing all this fear on God's elect. And let me remind you again that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. As a matter of fact, that could have been my title. <laughs> In Matthew 10, 14, it says, When he called the multitudes to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand, this is Jesus talking, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. In other words, the words that you speak. In verse 12, he said, And then his disciples came and he said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Saints, think about what Jesus is saying here. And think about what is going on in the world today. 
and has been going on for a long time now, everything about Jesus offends the Pharisees of the day. Everything. They, you know, he was offending them back then, 2,000 years ago. And everything, you know, everything Jesus was doing back then was offending the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he's offending them now, the Pharisees of today. Everything he does. Why does Jesus offend them? I don't have time to count all the ways. It offends them because all the things they want to do and make into law goes against God's law. That's why they're offended. They want to destroy the lives that God has created by slaughtering them because having a baby would interfere with their lifestyle. They want to confuse our children into thinking that God must have made a mistake when He created them. Now the boy wants to be a girl, a girl wants to be a boy, and they want to force the issues on all of our children by forcing them to use the same bathroom. Gender-friendly, that's what they call it. But brothers and sisters, no matter how much they want to change what God created, they can't. No matter how much surgery they have, they cannot change what God created. They can only make a mockery of it. You can't change what God Himself has created, but you can make a mockery of it. And that's really what it is. It's a mockery. Everything, when they're trying to... The boys, I mean, I'm talking about... I get emails from mothers that their daughters in her teens wanting to become a boy or the boy wanting to become a girl. And they're teenagers. They don't know, but they're being brainwashed. And I was thinking this morning as I was listening, you know, they call the, you know, this pastor, they call the programs when you're looking at a, a thing on TV, they call it a pro, you know, this program and that program. And the reason why they call it a program is because they're programming you. They're programming you. And in the news media, news program, they are programming you. You know, in a lot of the countries, and in and, and Hollywood they do this, but not as openly, but in a lot of the countries they are forcing them to get the, uh, the uh, same sex, the heterosexual, get, that, get the other going on so that if they watch it enough, they feel like that if they put it on there enough, then the people will begin to believe that it's normal. And so what they're doing is they're programming their minds, and they've been programming the minds of not only adults, but especially our children and our young people to the point today that they don't consider it anything wrong with spend, uh, living with one another before they get married. They, don't, they think it's, a, it's cool. Uh, I heard somebody say something the other day about this person that um, had a whirlwind romance, and I said, well, who is she? And they said it was a he. And you know, when I hear things like that, I probably shouldn't be saying this on air, but I just want to throw up. <laughs> you know, that is such a mockery of what God has created. He created man and woman. And He didn't create all this other stuff that's going on. And that's why anything about God, about Jesus, offends them. Because it makes them feel guilty. Because they know they're wrong. I don't care what you say, they know they're wrong. But they think that they can do whatever they want to do. But there will be a day when every knee will bow to the name of Jesus. Every knee, that includes those too. 
That includes believers and unbelievers. That believes everybody will bow at the name of Jesus. Praise God. Our government, not all of our government, but a large portion of it wants totally get God out, to get God out of the picture so they can reverse everything that Jesus stands for. And that's basically what they're doing. Some have even stated that they don't need Jesus. I mean, I mean, some of the senators and stuff, some of our government said, well, we don't need Jesus. You know, we don't need God. We don't need that in our lives. But, you know, you pray for them. You really you need to pray for them. You know, because, they, you know, they are just, I don't know. I don't have words for it. In verse 13, Jesus answered disciples and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone, Jesus said. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. And that's what's going to happen. We've got the blind leading the blind. In closing, let me say this. Many in the body of Christ don't know who they're fighting. This is not a wrestling match against a human opponent. We're wrestling with the rulers, authority, and powers who govern the world of darkness. It is a fight against your faith, a fight against your job, a fight against your children, your health, and your finances. This evil force is trying to force you back, but God said He takes no pleasure in those who draw back. In Hebrews 10, 37 through 39, in the Brian Bible says, For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will take no pleasure in him. But verse 39 says, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So I don't know about you, but I'm not going to draw back. I know in the natural that it's not looking so good. But I also know that being a Christian doesn't mean that we will never go through storms. On the contrary. However, the Word of God does guarantee, saints, if you are in the right place when the storm hits, or in the right place when that problem arises, arrives, and you have God's Word hidden in your heart, and you're wearing the full armor of God, when it's all over, not only will you survive, you will thrive and you're going to be in an even higher place. It will take faith, and it won't be easy, but I really have faith that you can do it. All you out there listening online, all you in here this morning, it, it takes faith, and it won't be easy, but I know that you can do it, because greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. I was thinking the other day, and I was talking to David, and I said, you know, you, 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 we don't think about it. I'll be breaking in the spirit in a minute. <laughs> we don't think about it. But, you know, I have raising from the dead, power living inside of me. People are being raised from the dead all over the world. You know, they're being laid hands on. They're being spoken and commanded to, to come back, the breath to come back in them. People are being raised from the dead. But we all, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord, you have raising from the dead power living on the inside of you because the Bible says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us. So therefore we have the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost living on the inside of us. So we have the power to raise the dead. And so if we got power to raise the dead and the Bible says we do, then we shouldn't have any problem 
raising any of this other stuff and laying hands on this other stuff. And by the way, Pastor Larry, my niece didn't even have to have any pain pills yesterday and day before. You know, glory be to God for every more. For those that are listening, my, my niece couldn't walk for almost a year, paralyzed on her left, in her left leg and foot. But after prayer and having faith and exercising her faith, and I bomb, I'm telling you, I have bombarded her with faith. I mean, materials, materials, focus, no TV, no TV, focus on the Word, focus on the Word. And I want you to take a step every day. I want you to get up out of that bed. And if you don't move but one step, just take two. And every day she's taking steps with a walker, but it's not going to be long before she's going to be walking without that walker. The toes are moving. She's going to be moving because she is healed. She's healed and she's in the recovery stage, but she is healed. And I'm so thankful to hear that. So we have the power to speak healing. We have the power to raise the dead. So what, what is there be afraid of? I think it's needless fear. Needless fear. If you go home, you go home. Oh, how happy that's going to be. But you know, God has not forgotten us. And his, his word is, and his promise is, is that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I thank you so much. I thank you, Holy Spirit. You are so powerful, so powerful, so powerful. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for just letting me be a mouthpiece for you this morning, Lord. I thank you, God, for giving me a spirit of boldness to speak your truth, Lord. I pray to the good Lord in the heavens that I will always be have that spirit of boldness to speak the word of God and I pray that fathers the word went out today that it will minister that it ministered at all those that was listening in here and online and I just thank you for this word Lord I thank you for this word help us to understand Lord there is no reason to be fearful that you sent us into this world and we were born the day we were born and we took our first breath Lord you put us here for a purpose you gave us an assignment so father I pray that if they have not found that that goal of their assignment that you have given them, I pray, Father God, that they will find it and they will just focus on that and realize that the, according to Psalms 23, that the Lord had, the, in, uh, in Psalms, he says that he has prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. So Lord, I thank you, Father, that you have done this. And I also pray that those that are having problems and going through trials right now, that instead of focusing on the trials and the problems, that they will focus on the table. Just focus on the table. Keep your eyes off the problems and focus on the table because the Bible says that he has put a table before us in the presence of our enemies in the presence of our enemies. So don't focus on the enemy. Don't focus on what he's doing, but focus on the one that put the table in front of you and in front of your enemies. And that's the Lord of God Almighty. And God, we just thank you and give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen.